If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, thanks for downloading the podcast. If you want to listen live, all you have to do is download the iHeartRadio app and search for Fantasy Sports Radio Network. Also, if you want to catch this show on video, be sure to check out Zumo TV, channel 719. That's where you can find SportsGrid's Fantasy Sports Network. Enjoy the show, and thanks so much for listening. All right, everybody, welcome back here to In-Game Live, right here on SportsGrid. Dane Martinez and Jared Smith touring you through all the news and notes from the previous week and how you can, you know, use this information to get yourself a little bit of extra money when you're still waiting on that government stimulus check. Dane Martinez and Jared Smith. And Jared, you know, in the first hour, we talked about Eric Ebron, and he was someone who acknowledged, admitted that he was not 100%. We had the exact opposite from probably the biggest name going into the NFL draft. We're talking about Alabama quarterback Tua Tagovailoa. And he, you know, whether it be Instagram videos or coming out and saying, he said, and I quote, I feel like if there was a game today, I'd be able to go out and perform the same way I was able to perform in previous years. I feel as mobile as possible. I feel 100%. We saw him, you know, show some of that mobility in the Instagram video. Two questions, Jared. One, do you buy it? And two, why do you think they are putting this information out there when we're only weeks before the draft? I think he needs to get some of this information out there. First of all, I think that's a big, that's to me, that's huge just to get the information out there because they're not doing training camps. They're not doing rookie camps. They're not doing pro days and any of that stuff. Do I buy it? Yeah, sure. I'll buy it. I mean, I, I you know, I, I think I, I take more, uh, you know, you know, a little more hesitancy from what we hear from the teams during this time, the players themselves, I think have every right to come out and especially now when we don't have much information to go by to update us on their status. And I think Tua obviously he's not going to come out and say, uh, I feel terrible and, and you know, I'm not ready to play. I think if he was feeling a little bit in between, he would temper his statement and say, 
I'm on the men, I'm feeling better, this and that. I think the fact that he was very definitive, 100%, no doubt, to me that means he's ready. I can't find a scenario in my head where a healthy Tua gets taken outside of the top three. This was a can't-miss, can't-miss number one pick that people were literally fawning over and tanking for a year and a half ago. And then Joe Burrow bursts onto the scene, and now all of a sudden Tua's going to be the fifth pick, the sixth pick? I mean, this is a franchise quarterback, and I know know Chase Young is a great player. Jeff Okuda is a great player. But you're telling me that you're going to pass or you're going to not make a push for a guy who is literally supposed to be the franchise quarterback of the future because of Jeff Okuda? I mean, it just, like, to me, that doesn't make sense. And I think he's going to be a top three pick. I really do. Okay, fair enough. So let me press you a little bit on this, Jared, because one of the big bets we've we've talked a little bit about before, but one of the things FanDuel is hanging over there is to get the exact order of the first three picks, right? Almost like the draft trifecta. No, you can't box them either. So you got to figure out the order. I know you're saying, and there's been prop bets out there, like above or below the second and a half pick, right? Like, will he go in the top two or not? It sounds like, you know, you think, He's going to be the second or third pick. You don't believe in, say, Akuda. Do you think this happens, though, because of a trade or because either Washington or Detroit select Tua? Great question. I would not be surprised by either scenario. Really? If you look, if you look at the Redskins as a team, yeah. we talked about this with Josh Rosen and Cliff Kingsbury. If you look at the Redskins as a team— There's nothing about their team that says, oh, they've got their quarterback of the future. I mean, a lot of people are very down on Dwayne Haskins. It's a new new regime in there in Washington. I don't consider Kyle Allen to be that kind of guy, and he's not. And if you're going to tell me that the Redskins can take their franchise quarterback at number two, people were thinking that the Giants were crazy last year for reaching for Daniel Jones. Right. If If you take Daniel Jones and you compare him to Tua, I don't think it's any. I mean, I don't think it's any debate that Tua is the better prospect. So I, you know, I think teams are going to reach uh, for Tua, and I think I think if he's healthy, and if the teams buy what he's selling about him being healthy, I think either Washington or Detroit is well within their right to say, listen, our quarterback room is not set, and this is a guy that could be a franchise QB in this league for the next ten years. Uh, would I be surprised if a team like the Dolphins or Chargers or a mystery team, who knows, traded up? No, I wouldn't be surprised by that. But I also would not be, you know, you know, cavelling on the floor if, if, if the Redskins decided to pull the trigger uh, and shake up their quarterback room. And then all of a sudden, Dwayne Haskins becomes trade bait and they right. can get, a, you know, probably a second round or third round pick is the best that they would get. But I wouldn't be surprised by either scenario playing out there. And I think the odds are telling us that based on where two is slotted to go. Yeah, and I think this is very, very interesting. You talked about that. You talked about how there is precedent in this league for a new head coach to kind of cast aside the young rookie as not their guy, especially if they see what's behind door number two. And it is a blue chip, you know, kind of franchise quarterback. We saw the Arizona Cardinals and new head coach Cliff Kingsbury do that last year, taking Kyler Murray number one, even though the franchise had just taken Josh Rosen in the top 10 the previous year. That would be the same thing Washington would do with new head coach Ron Rivera casting aside last year's first round pick. In this case, that would be Dwayne Haskins. But that would be at the number two spot, okay? So if you have Tua going number two, then that would be 
maybe Detroit at number three, maybe they would be the team that is happy to have Chase Young fall into their lap. We've talked about what they need to do on the defensive side of the ball. Head coach Matt Patricia would probably be happy about that. Jared, what you have just outlined, Joe Burrow, number one, Tua, number two, and Chase Young, number three. That is the third choice on the board in terms of trying to find what I'm calling this trifecta at the top of the draft. You can get plus 320 for that. So better than three to one, just for context, the favorite, which is pretty much even money right now, are just those things flipped, right? What everyone has said is Joe Burrow, number one, then Chase Young falling to Washington. Remember, they did trade for Kyle Allen, former Carolina Panthers quarterback under Ron Rivera. So maybe they think that combo is good enough to kind of give it the old college try for year one. And that would be Tua potentially in the third spot. That's the favorite right now. I've got to tell you the truth, Jared. I like this choice right in between. At plus 170, it goes Joe Burrow 1, Chase Young 2, and Jeffrey Okuda number 3. In essence, Jared, it's almost like we're framing it as a prop bet. Will someone trade up to get Tua? You know, because if the Lions are there at 3, we've outlined it before. Is there a chance that they get the, the future of their franchise in Tua at number 3? Absolutely, there is. I just see a need in the back end of that secondary at cornerback, Jeff Okuda, right there. Ohio State, Michigan, I know, but he's familiar with the area, shall we say. And the Detroit Lions were literally dead last in the NFL last year against the pass. And they traded away or let Darius Slay, their number one quarterback, move on. He is now with Philly. I think that is a need that they need to fill. And I think they're going to keep on trying with Matthew Stafford under center as opposed to pulling the trigger on Tua. Do you think that that's like you don't like Akuda as a fit for Detroit? Or do you think that Tua could be that pick? Ariel is under the impression that the, the Lions have already traded the pick, and I, I can't argue with her. I think that is a certain possibility. But here's the way I frame it, you know, Dane, and I, I'm with you. I, I, I think I think Akuda is a perfect fit for the Lions. I think Chase Young's a perfect fit for any team. But Chase Young, but uh, you know, I, I think Akuda fills a direct need. But my question is, actually, I, I'll spin it two ways. Go ahead. If if the crazy situation happens and Tua goes two, I think the Lions definitely take Chase Young. I think the Lions definitely take Chase Young because I think Chase Young will be the next pick in the draft. If if Tua is there at two, so let's say it goes Burrow, then Young, I think the Lions can trade back to four, five, or six yes. and still get a Cuda yes. and pick up a pick. So that's why, I, to, to me, Jeff Akuda is the best corner on the board, but I don't think teams are going to be racing to the Man. window to pick uh. Jeff Akuda. So I, I, I think I think there's a better chance that the Lions and again it takes some it takes a little it's a little risky because you're still trading back and you're still hoping hoping to get a guy that's gonna be on the board for one or two more picks. Yeah. But I think a team is not gonna be trading up to take Jeff Akuda. Right. If a team trades up with the Lions, it's gonna be because they wanna take Tua. That's right. And I think Detroit should know that and they should be smart about it and they should hopefully play their cards right where they drop back still get a CUDA, yep. and collect some more draft capital. 
Yeah, you know, I think you make a great point. I said it on this show also previously. If you are trading up into the top three or into the top five, you ain't doing it for an offensive lineman. You ain't doing it for a cornerback, okay? You ain't even doing it for one of these stud wideouts that are on the board. You're doing it for the quarterback that you have pegged as your franchise for the next decade plus. I completely agree with you. I also, you know, Jared, we're, uh, we're Jets fans here. We've talked about this a few years ago. The Jets traded with the Indianapolis Colts, okay? And the Jets were the sixth pick. And the Colts did in that year what it sounds like you're describing could be the Lions move this year. The Colts went down, okay? They went down from number three to number six in a draft when they were targeting um, Nelson, Quentin Nelson, the all-pro guard. Right. And you ain't drafting a guard in the top five. So they knew that the quarterback market was hot and heavy. The Jets wanted to go up and get Darnold. Remember, on that on that draft, there was Baker also there who was gone. And then we didn't know. Did teams prefer Darnold? Did teams prefer Josh Rosen? Did teams prefer Lamar Jackson? Did teams prefer Josh Allen? So people the Jets went up to get their guy. And the Colts knew that they could fall back a couple of positions and their coveted offensive linemen would still be there. Let me propose the same exact thing to you, in essence, right here. The Chargers are a team at six who we know are quarterback needy, who know if they want to get their guy, they may have to hop over the Miami Dolphins, right? And so in this universe, could the Lions trade down from three to six with the Chargers, allow the Chargers to get, let's say it's Tua, right? And then at four, you still have the Giants. The Giants still are trying to get an offensive lineman potentially. And then at five, you know Miami is going to go quarterback. So you at the Lions, even if you fall down to six, probably can still get your pick of the litter in Jeff Okuda. And even if he does go, you still have Isaiah Simmons on the defensive side of the ball that you may be okay with dropping back. And in this, you accumulate another second round pick or a third round pick when the Jets and the Colts made their trade. You're going to love this one, Jared. They went down and got Quentin Nelson, an all-pro, at number six. The Jets also gave them a second-round pick that year. Do you know who the Colts took with that second-round pick, Jared? Marlon Mack? Darius Leonard is who they <laughs> took with their second-round pick from the Jets oh that year. God. So like you talk about, filling it with you know good-caliber quantity – could be a move for a team like the Detroit Lions. Do you think that's viable, something like that, going down and still hopefully getting their guy with whether it be Miami or the Chargers? Who did the Jets take with that pick that they moved up for? Jamal, was that the Jamal Adams year? Oh, Sam Darnold. Oh, it was the, the Darn. It was the Darnold trade. That's right. It was the Darnold trade. That's right. That's right. Three. I mean, I'd say it worked out pretty well for the Jets too, but. Sure. Um, I, yeah, no, I think that's the strategy. If you're a Lions fan, I think I have a. Cool. I have some, <laughs> that's true. And Nelson's a out of the deal. <laughs> Nelson's a stud. Nelson's a stud. Um, uh, listen, I think I think uh, if you're if you're talking about value, I think that's the way to play it. And I think the Lions know that, but it's all a matter of execution. Now it's going to be a very interesting draft. We'll see how the trades kind of shake out. We'll see what the communications like. We'll see if teams are a little less aggressive in the trade market because of the communication that might be a play. It's, right. it's going to be a fascinating situation. And if I'm the Lions, that's how I'd want to play it. But, you know, the best laid plans of mice and men. But Detroit certainly has – I think Detroit's in the most favorable spot here, Dane, 
because Detroit doesn't need a quarterback. Matt Stafford's still the guy, and they basically are in that pivot point where Tua, I don't expect Tua to go to be there at four. I don't think the Giants are going to have to be forced to make a decision about, hey, Tua's there at four. Should we do something? I mean, you know, Tua's a a can't-miss QB. I mean, this is a guy that was literally – and people – we have a recency bias in this country, Dane. People remember him getting carted off the field against Mississippi State, and that's really all they remember. People forget the crazy throw he made in overtime against Georgia to win the national championship and all the – as a freshman and and all the things that he was able to accomplish at a tough, tough environment in, at Alabama. So I, you know, I, I just think I just think people really need to need to get back on the Tua bandwagon a little bit because I think he's gonna get drafted in a spot where people are like, oh man, I thought he was gonna be there at five or six. Like I I would be shocked if he is. All right, fair enough. So there are many people who have said that the fun may start at pick number three. And what we have been talking about is why that's where the fireworks can happen, because Detroit is in that kind of catbird seat, right? They know there will be a demand for players still on the board when they pick, and they don't necessarily need that player. So they could trade down. They have a lot of options at their disposal. Hey, I want to ask you one more thing here as it relates to the NFL draft, and then we'll keep on going on on the other side of the break to talk about some of the lines that are out for college football and what the college football playoff may in fact look like down the road. But, but Jared, you know, everyone's talking about Tua. Everyone's talking about Burrow. You know, we, we have this four and a half for quarterbacks in the first round. And the other two quarterbacks are Justin Herbert and Jordan Love. Now, over the last week or so, I've even heard, Jared, that J- Justin Herbert could be a Chargers pick at six. You know, that there are a lot of teams that are even favoring Herbert a lot. Our friends over at FanDuel have prop bets or match bets up, right? One versus the other. And right now, Jared, Justin Herbert or Jordan Love, who will be drafted first, okay? And Justin Herbert is minus 330. I know that's a lot of wood to lay, but you're closer to this than a lot of folks. Have you heard anything which would suggest that someone likes Love over Herbert? Because I might feel comfortable laying the minus 330 and betting Herbert goes before Love. You know, the mock draft that I saw Todd McShay, and I just want to pull it up here to make sure I'm accurate with it. I'm pretty sure it had Love going in the top 10. Um, hmm. Yeah, yeah, he had, so he had Love, he had Love going to uh, going to the Chargers at six and Herbert going really? to the Jags at nine. Okay. So, and listen, I know Todd McShay is trying to sell, sell clicks right now. Right. Uh, but, you know, it's a reach. It's a reach to put love into the top 10. But listen, if if there's a big time scout like Todd McShane that thinks that he could be taken in front of Herbert, who's who am I to disagree with him? I mean, I, I so I certainly think the odds uh, are in your favor to go with the plus money there. Um, I think there's an I think there's an interesting way to play it. Um, I, do they have a Justin Herbert uh, uh, pick uh, uh, number five and a half, six and a half? Um, not that I see right now, not that okay. I see right now. I know they've had those guys up for specific players. Um, but I don't see that. If I can find market. it, let me see yeah. if I can find I'll it. Keep looking for it per se, but I haven't found it just yet. Here's what we're going to do, Jared. We're going to come on back on the other side of the break here on in game live. We'll look to find that there's a couple of other kind of matchup plays between, you know, uh, big name wide receivers in this draft, big name running backs in this draft. 
And I want to see how you think they kind of stack up against each other because you are plugged into this. Then we have college football playoff odds. We have odds for big-time games in the 2020 season, provided that it happens. And remember last week, we talked about my platform for a 16-team college football playoff system. We've done the math. And boy, oh boy, the Peach Bowl would be really happy with their matchup. I'll just say that. We look into it on the other side of the break. It's in-game live. Dane and Jared keeping you, giving you everything you need to get your edge here on Sportsbook. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. All right, welcome back, everybody, here on In Game Live on Sports Grid. If you want the edge, get on the grid with Dane Martinez and Snacks, Jared Hughes. Uh, Jared Smith here. Jared Hughes. Jared Hughes. He was like an edge rusher. For uh, TCU. Did he play for the Jets? 
Uh, the Bills, I think, drafted. Oh, Bills, that's right. You're right. No, you're right. You're right. I heard guy Gabe Morrency about that, but I digress. <laughs> I apologize. We're gonna. Oh no, that's. A, I've been called way worse. <laughs> Fair enough. We were looking at some of the draft bets, Jared. You know, talking about Tua Tagovailoa, where his spot is on the top three, and you know, team strategy to potentially go and get him if that is who they see as a franchise quarterback for the next decade. I find it interesting as well. Jared, that FanDuel has put up some, you know, kind of prop bets or match bets, right? This guy or this guy in um, in the draft market. We were talking a little bit about the kind of other quarterbacks, you know, Justin Herbert and Jordan Love. And you say that even though he's a big number at minus 330, Justin Herbert is not necessarily a lock to be picked uh, above Jordan Love. You know, you have certain draft experts who do believe that Love could be the apple of a team's eye. When I look at a lot of these mock drafts, Jared, you know, we see um, the stud wide receivers come off the board either late in the top 10 or early, you know, kind of uh, 10 through 15, a couple of teams there, whether it be the Raiders, whether it be the Jets. You've talked about the Denver Broncos potentially moving up to get a stud wide receiver to pair with Cortland Sutton, which makes sense to me. But these wide receivers, you know, we hear about two or three that are at the true top of the board. Um, and get grades of 90 or above with some of these draft uh, experts. And the two that I hear the most are Jerry Judy from Alabama and CeeDee Lamb from Oklahoma. Right now, though, Jared, the books over on FanDuel have Jerry Judy as minus 154 to be taken ahead of C.D. Lamb. But I'd love if you can give the people that are watching right now, give me a little bit of a profile. We talk about the XYZ affair and the different kinds of wide receivers that are out there. What kind of wide receiver is Jerry Judy versus what kind of wide receiver is C.D. Lamb? And do you think that that's hung about right, minus 154, that Judy will be the first wide receiver taken? I think it's priced right. I think we have three wide receivers on this board, and all three of them are different. And, you know, we're not going to talk about Henry Ruggs III. We can include him in later conversations. Yeah, yeah, he's the speed guy. He's the guy that probably profiles the closest to Tyreek Hill. Uh, So I think he fits a specific team need. I would put the Niners, the Broncos, teams that are kind of in – already have the big body wide receivers to put him. So let's separate – Rugs and let's break down the two guys for this particular match bet, Judy and Lamb. They're okay. very similar, but they have a little bit of a nuanced difference between the two. Judy, it to me, is the more polished receiver. I like Jerry Judy a lot. I think he's probably going to be the most successful in terms of stats receiver on this board, consistency, and I think he's overall the top guy on the board. But I think CeeDee Lamb brings a different element that's more of an explosive yards-after-the-catch element that Judy doesn't bring. Judy's more of a polished route runner. He is smooth in and out of the breaks. He can stretch you down the field, but I think CeeDee Lamb's yak is at the top level of this draft. I think he's the best yak receiver in the entire draft. So I could see two different kind of scenarios playing out. The first scenario being the offensive linemen go very early. The top four guys go in the top 10. And the Jets at 11. No, can we say the top 11? (laughs) <laughs> I know where you're going with that. And it's actually it's it's actually funny because I do think the Jets are a pivot point in this draft for when the receivers could start flying off the board. Yeah. If if the Jets can take an offensive lineman at 11, then I think Judy and Lamb will both be there at 12 for the Raiders, and I think the Raiders will take one of those guys. 
So to me, that's to me that's the scenario that I that 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 I see playing out. And I think the Niners are also in play to take a wide receiver. If the Jets go wide receiver, I think it'll go Jets, Niners. Jets, Raiders, Niners, three wide receivers in a row. I could totally see that happening. That's why I think the Broncos at 15 are an intriguing choice to trade up and grab one of these guys. So I think the Jets at 11, we, and we mentioned it too in the last segment, the Lions at three and the Jets at 11. Those are kind of bookmarks for me in this draft where I could see it going in kind of a fork in the road, different direction. And I'm, I'm fascinated to see who's available at 11 when the Jets pick. I hope it's a lineman, and I hope it's Becton. But if it's not, I could see Judy going to the Jets in this spot, and that starts the run of wide receivers uh, taken in this draft. That's interesting. You know, we, we've talked about this before on air, that we are of somewhat of a similar age. When I was growing up, Jared, there were these books. Do you remember the Choose Your Own Adventure books? When it was like, <laughs> hey, if you do this, turn to page 37. But if you want to do this, turn to page 48. Right? And it sounds like you're considering the Lions and the Jets as points there, where it gets to that point, hey. Choose your own adventure yeah, at your risk. own risk, too. Exactly. And so, <laughs> you know, uh, to put the dots together with the Denver Broncos, for example, if the Jets go O-linemen, then they may not need to trade up because they think one of the top three wide receivers, these two guys, and Ruggs, who you're talking about, one of the three would still be there. For me, Jared, when I hear speed receiver and I hear Raiders, to me, that's always been a fit, right? Al Davis is just win, baby, and they'll throw it over the top. And so maybe, you know, they have a taller wide out already in Terrell Williams. They have a slot guy already in Hunter Renfro. They like their tight end. Might they be a team that truly wants the speed guy regardless? And then you talk about the crisp route runner in Jerry Judy. That is very interesting to me to see who can maybe help support a developing young quarterback, maybe a Drew Locke, for example. So that's the top of the wide receiver market. The top of the running back market is also very interesting, Jared, although it may not be in, you know, picks 12, 11, 14, where the best running back goes off the board. We've already discussed at length about how, you know, there's a prop bet even will a running back be taken in the first round. And so, you know, the top two names that I keep hearing are Georgia's DeAndre Swift, and Wisconsin's Jonathan Taylor. No disrespect to, you know, Edward Tolaire out of LSU or uh, Dobbins out of Ohio State or others, Moss in Utah and others who are, you know, kind of will be running on Sundays. But with these two guys, DeAndre Swift is the favorite to be taken first at minus 180. Can you give us a little bit of a thumbnail? How do these guys' games differ? I mean, I think Swift is your classic three-down back, and I think really? that, to me, is is why he's being ranked as the highest guy. And there really is no true three-down back in, in football today. It's, it's a very difficult, as you know from the fantasy perspective, Dan, it's definitely the most difficult position to really handicap. I have had many Sundays uh, frustrated with the goal line yeah. carries being vultured, or why is this guy not in the game right now? Like, in the league right now exactly it's a it's a position where i think you almost need three running backs really to have any you know prolonged success at the position you have to have two guys minimum that are good running guys and you have to have a third guy that's a change of pace uh swift to me is a bell cow type of back i think taylor and edwards hilaire are more change of pace guys and i think taylor taylor to me dobbins i put in the three down back category as well 
Taylor, to me, is an intriguing category in this draft. I think Taylor's size uh, kind of scares me a little bit here. Uh, I, I was looking at his size, 5'10", 226. You know, we, the, we we like running backs that are a little lower to the ground. That's why Swift, to me, at 5'8", has has a little more bulk to him, 5'8", 212. He's a little he's a little bit, you know, a little more sturdier, I would say. Right. Taylor, a little more of an upright runner. That scares me a little bit. Uh, as a guy who wants to be a three-down back, doesn't scare me as much as a guy out of the backfield uh, because he doesn't have that, you know, elite size. But still, man, Taylor's a heck of a back. I, I, I would put both of them in a category of making an impact on a team right away, but I, I would give Swift the edge. Okay, so you do think that Swift gets drafted ahead of Jonathan Taylor. It sounds yeah. like, it sounds like Jared, you know, and, and I hate to say it this way, but it sounds like the NFL is evolving away from the kind of back that Jonathan Taylor is and more towards the kind of back that DeAndre Swift is. When you keep on telling me what you see about Jonathan Taylor, I think of names like Jordan Howard, you know, to be quite honest, or Montgomery, who's now in Chicago, that maybe are more bulkier, bigger, yeah. Earlier down, whereas, you know, we're looking for guys that can do something in the past game. I'm going to tell you something right now. The kid out of LSU, Edward Hilaire, I think he is the second coming of Darren Sproles. Um, I think he will be an impressive kid. I think he will be a PPR beast early on. So in five, seven, that's right. Darren Sproles. (laughs) Okay. The Tyree Cohen's uh, of the world. Right. So if you're in a PPR format, Edward Hilaire, regardless of if he gets drafted in the second or the third round out of LSU, I think is a name to note, but it sounds like Swift profiles to be maybe one more of those three down backs. We talk about also, maybe five wideouts in the first round, Jared. You know, we talked about three of them already. Okay, the two out of Alabama, Judy and Ruggs. We talk about, obviously, already CeeDee Lamb in Oklahoma. There's another match bet up about other wide receivers where I've heard the names before. Justin Jefferson out of LSU, T. Higgins out of Clemson. They talk about these two guys, the kid out of Colorado, some others that could be first-round talents. But, Jared, this is a big number in favor of the LSU product, Justin Jefferson. He is minus 430 to be taken ahead of T. Higgins. Is that a function of Jefferson? Is that a function of Burrow? Is that a function of Joe Brady? Or is he that much better than T. Higgins? Uh, you know, they're both kind of similar size. Jefferson, six one and a quarter, two oh two. Higgins has about two inches on him. Uh, I, I don't know what their 40 times is. You know, I, I'm seeing I'm seeing Jefferson significantly ahead of, of, of right. Higgins in basically every single ranking category. I haven't seen one mock draft that has Higgins uh, not not, you know, or, or that has Jefferson not going in front of Higgins. I, I think Jefferson's a lock up for it to be a first round pick. I think Higgins is a fringe first round pick. I okay. think the odds are priced right. I wouldn't bet this. What I would bet instead is I would bet maybe where Higgins or where Jefferson get drafted if that is a pick. I think I did see that somewhere on uh, on, on FanDuel. Well, they have like over-unders for a lot of these guys. Yeah, that's a good one to bet as well. Interesting. So you know what, though, Jared? You're speaking music to my ears. Because what you're saying is that you think Higgins could be like an early second round pick. And that's right where our J-E-T-S, Jets, Jets, Jets draft, okay? I want them to go O-line at 11. Hopefully one of the four studs are still there. I think it's going to be cutting it real close, to be quite honest. The Browns at 10 may take the last one left available. I could see these O-linemen literally, Jared, going like, four, seven, nine, and 10, you know, like that, leaving the Jets then to take the wide receiver potentially. But if not, 
I'm really looking at Higgins, who could potentially be that kind of guy for Sam Darnold. Remember, they've gone out and gotten Bashard Perryman already. He is more of a downfield threat. They already have Jamison Crowder, one of the better slot crossing receivers in the NFL. You know what Lev Bell can do out of the background, out of the backfield. Would T. Higgins be the kind of wide receiver that can complete the Jets puzzle at wideout? I mean, I think he certainly helps, you know, Perriman. You, you know, you want to see what you get from Anunwa if he ever comes right. back and does anything. I think Jamison Crowder was the key to bring back for the Jets, and he's back in the fold. I think you do need to get a big, strong guy. Higgins, 6'3", 216 pounds. You've got Crowder. You've got some scat backs in the backfield. Yep. You've got Le'Veon Bell as well. Uh, I think Higgins... Higgins would be a good fit for the Jets. I really hope it plays out that way, that the Jets can can get one of those offensive tackles at 11, uh, and, and then they can kind of shape the rest of their draft around that. We'll see how it plays out. But to me, that makes sense on paper. Higgins, Higgins is, hey, listen, Clemson has, Clemson's had some big-time wide receivers, uh, you know, over the last few years. Uh, this is becoming wide receiver you there at Clemson. So oh, I, I, I certainly, yeah. I, I, Sammy Watkins, DeAndre Higgins. Hopkins. I certainly think, that Higgins has a bright future in the NFL, and I hope it's with the Jets. Yeah, we shall see. The only question is, will he still kind of be around? Um, so I asked that last prop bet, Jared, because, you know, we had a Clemson wide receiver and an LSU wide receiver. Those were the two teams, Jared, that faced off in the college football championship game last year. And so I wanted to look, you know, because we're talking about college and we're talking about, you know, some of these guys that will no longer be there this year. Um, the futures market for the college football is also very, very interesting, Jared. Right now, Clemson, with, you know, everybody's 2021 number one overall pick, Trevor Lawrence, um, is the favorite at 2-1 to one to uh, become champion yet again. Ohio State is the second choice at 4-1. to one. Then Alabama. Maybe people are forgetting about the Crimson Tide at 5-1. to one. Then a big gap. Them Georgia Dogs, 10 to 1. The Gators of Florida at 16 to 1. Then, you know, LSU without Joe Burrow, without Joe Brady, but still with some guy who sounds like the water boy um, at 16 to 1. Where are you looking early on in this market for the college football playoff? So I, I can't bet Clemson or Ohio State. Those odds are going to be there when the season sure. starts. There's not going to be any closing line value with those two teams. I'll tell you a team that catches my eye Auburn at 40 to 1. Really? I, you know, I, yeah, I mean, I, I'm not sold on Alabama, to be honest with you. We don't know what they're going to be doing at quarterback. I'm definitely not buying LSU. I think Florida's going to have a really good team in the SEC this season. They get their quarterback back as well, Kyle Trask. And I'll tell you what, Bo Nix, he showed me some things last season as a freshman. Now he ascends to the sophomore role. Auburn always has good coaching and sound fundamentals, and they are as tricky as it gets with Gus Malzahn. I, I Auburn at Auburn at 40 to one. I think you're going to get some closing line value there and you're going to have opportunities to bet Bama to bet LSU against them later in the season. If you want to come off of it and 40 to one's a juicy price. Uh, I'm not, I'm not betting an sec team that's in the top half because right. I don't think I'm going to get any closing line value there. Auburn is a Auburn is a team that they've got an easy uh, non-conference schedule. If they can take care of business, and it's a tough game. It's going to be at Alabama this season. It ain't going to be easy to go into Tuscaloosa and win. But if they can figure out a way to do it, that 40 to 1 is going to flip to 5 to 1, just like Alabama's number is right now. And you're going to have some juice heading into the college football playoff. 
You know, and, and, and I like the way you think about it. First of all, they have a lineup right now for the Iron Bowl. And Auburn, the team that you think is a national championship contender, would be getting 13 points in the Iron Bowl, Jared. So you may want to take a gander over at that one if you feel that confident. Submit on that one. And, and, you know, we only got a minute left, but I like the way you think here, Jared. And I want to get into it on another side of the break because I'm putting together what you're saying in terms of these futures bets being only your initial position as well. And so with five major conferences and four spots in the playoff for now, I wonder if we could put together some other initial positions which will look a lot better come the middle of December. We'll do that on the other side of the break. Again, it is Dane Martinez and Jared Smith giving you the edge here on Sports Grid. This is In Game Live. Grab some snacks and then come on back and talk to Snacks and Speeds after this. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. And recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rock the baby to sleep and slam dunk. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry. Back to Iguodala. Up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. 
All right, welcome back, everybody, to In-Game Live here on Sports Grid. Dane Martinez and Jared Smith giving you what you need to know, whether it's the NFL draft, the AFC futures market, or anything that we can get our hands on in these shelter-in times. You know what I find interesting, Jared? You know, now that we're all kind of at home, I think the sports world is going to be thirsty for whatever it is that comes our way first, whether it's the NBA playoffs and quarantine settings, the NFL draft, news on free agency, or even WrestleMania this weekend. Jared, are you going to tune in whether you're a wrestling fan or not? Do you want to see live sports or sports entertainment happening? I used to be a wrestling fan. Man, oh man, I used to be obsessed with Stone Cold Steve Austin. I went to all the pay-per-views back in Florida. Yeah, I was a D-Generation X fan. The whole, the whole, yeah, NWO, you know, Wolfpack, all that stuff. Man, I I was big into it back in the day. Um, I I wish I still had the time and the bandwidth for it now. I I will say this. Time now, Jared. Yeah, that is true. That is true. I do have time. I will say this. I will consider doing a little bit of legwork. I've heard that you are the ace handicapper of WWE here at Sports Grid. We had though. a good WrestleMania last year. They do have, <laughs> have up odds and numbers. I, why not? <laughs> and some of us here do dabble into the sports entertainment. But on the uh, in the Nothing previous with that. in the previous segment, Jared, we were talking about you know some of the college football, some of the. Um, match bets in the draft, and then even the futures odds. You talk about Auburn um, as a potential dark horse, and I see them at 40-1 to over on FanDuel. But one of the things you mentioned got my brain going. You said you're not really going to take any of these highly touted SEC teams because the value is just not going to be there. And, and, And we talked last week about the way the format of the playoffs are, but regardless of what you like, right now there's four teams and there's five power conferences, Jared. And, you know, everyone talks about, oh, the SEC still gets two in, and they shouldn't, and Notre Dame can upset the apple cart. I understand this. But at a big-picture level, Jared, again, in the futures market, as an initial position, I almost feel like it's smarter to try to correctly identify the Pac-12 champ or the Big 12 champ, you know, because if you get that one right— then you are holding one of the four teams that are in there, right? And if you get one of those teams and then they're in the four, their odds will be dramatically shorter, giving you that kind of position to play with. So, for example, Jared, you know, I'm looking right now, and the first team I see from the Pac-12 on the board at all is USC at 30-1, to Jared. They're literally at 30 to 1, unless I'm missing something. I don't see a Washington. I don't see, you know, Oregon is at 60 to 1. You know, Washington is further down as well. You have teams like Utah further down. Generally speaking, right? Like USC is the top Pac 12 team at 30 to 1. Again, you could do the same thing with like Texas or Oklahoma at 25 or 30 to 1. I would say you can't do it with the SEC. You're not able to do it with the Big Ten because of the presence of Ohio State. You're not able to do it with the ACC because of the presence of Clemson. But when you have like a Big 12 team at 30 to 1 or a, or a, a Pac 12 team at 30 to 1, and you're holding that, if they qualify for the, for the playoff, you're sitting with something that you can hedge off of, no? No, you're, you're 100% right. And I'll give you – and it's funny that you mentioned the Big 12 and the Pac-12 because yeah. last season I made two big futures bets. Oregon and Utah? <laughs> uh, it was Utah and Oklahoma. 
Uh, it was it was it was Utah and Oklahoma, and Utah obviously did not come through in the Pac-12 championship game. They 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 lost to Oregon in that game. I hedged off Oklahoma a little bit against LSU. I basically made it so I free rode Oklahoma in that game, where if they won, I would have been about half halfly half hedged out. Okay. Uh, and if they and they lost, but I made basically made the bet a wash. It was basically a a, a free bet. Um, so I basically had Oklahoma money line as a free bet. Uh, for about thirty to one, I had Oklahoma. Was it? Uh, it was at. I believe it was at sixty to one uh, to win the title last season. I I forget where the numbers played out, but I, I made about. I basically hedged out of it for about half, and Oklahoma was basically free rolling in the semis. So yeah, no, you you can ha- you can theoretically have that opportunity if you get the Pac-12 or the Big 12 champion correct, uh, and you're able to get them in as that number four seed in the college football playoff. So I, I certainly say that's a good strategy if you feel like you have a better read on the Pac-12 or Big 12 than you would on maybe the overall playoff system as a whole. So, for example, Jared, right now Texas is 25-1. to 1. They're the first team I see in the Big 12, 25-1. to 1. Oklahoma right behind them at 30-1. to 1. Uh, So this is to win the national championship, okay, uh, not to necessarily win the Big 12. I don't see another Big 12 team on the board until all the way down at Oklahoma State or Iowa State at like 60 to 1 or 80 to 1. So call me crazy, Jared, but if I laid a couple of shekels on both Texas and Oklahoma, knowing that on some level they're going to cancel each other out, but that I feel good that I will have the Big 12 champ and then by definition one of the four teams still playing in the playoff at 25 and 30 to 1, is that something I may want to hold in my hand come mid-December? I wouldn't do both. I think you dilute think, your bet. I think you dilute your bet too so much you if you pack pick both. One Big Twelve. I, I think you pick. I, I think you try to get. You try to pick it to where you can get both. Where there's a chance you get that you get both right. Where and it's an outside Oklahoma chance. Notre Dame. I could do. Oklahoma at Notre Dame. Oklahoma USC. Right. Oklahoma USC. Um, you know, you want to try to get half of the field correct. I think that's a goal. But that being said. I think Auburn really, if I'm going to go off the board, I, I think I, I want to take a team in the best conference that has worse odds because I think that's where the odds can shift the most. If Oklahoma makes the college football playoff, they're still going to be probably the fourth team. If Auburn wins the SEC and gets in, they're probably two, maybe three look amazing, including an Iron Bowl potential win and an SEC championship game. And all of a sudden they're favored. In the, in the college world playoff, whereas Oklahoma, even if they get in, they're still going to be the 14. They're going to barely get in, you know, just like last year. They barely got in because they don't play in a conference that's really going to challenge them. That's why if I'm going to go down on the odds boards, I would rather take a team that's in a better conference like a Big Ten or an SEC, and then I would rather bet Oklahoma or Texas or USC to win their respective conferences. And I think, to me, that's the better way to allocate your money. No, I think that makes complete sense. You know, we've said this before, Jared, as the syndicate here at SportsGrid, the conglomerate, we like to help each other out in kind of ways of thinking. And, uh, you know, you've given me some extra things to think about instead of loading up on the one, you do ultimately try to hit it both times and then you could have half the field and that gives you even more flexibility. Jared, that would be half the field if there were four teams in the <laughs> playoffs. Anybody who was watching us last week knows that we envisioned uh, what the growth of this could be like. And Jared said he liked six, uh, being able to have some buys, looking what looking like what the NFL 
used to look like in conference. I then gave him my idea, which was going all the way to 16. I told him that there was like 11 conferences. You talk about the independents as well. Um, and so me and Jared then off air kind of played this out a little bit. And I want to bring some of that to you now. First of all, Jared, as we were putting this together, you know, what did you think when I said it originally on air last week? And then what did you think after you actually looked at the teams and looked at like what the 11-6 matchup would have been like or looked at it and saw teams like Memphis or App State who, you know, deserve a chance, quite frankly. Um, and they were in there as scenes 13 or 14. How are you, you know, I've tried to convince you on the Chargers. I'm trying to convince you on this. Have you moved at all to uh, Commissioner Martinez's platform? So I, I would love to see a 16-team playoff. I mean, okay. I, I think it would be awesome. I, I, I know that I'm more of a practical person. I know that that's not realistic in this normal environment we're in. It would take a drastic reform to get to that point. Sure. So yes. I don't like to I don't like to totally you know daydream about things that I know aren't realistic. But for the sake of this argument and for the sake of quarantine times where we need things to talk about, I thought it'd be a really good idea to put myself in those shoes for a minute. And the first thing I noticed. Yeah. So if we're going based on the college football playoff rankings, the final rankings are different than the final USA Today rankings at the end of bowl season. So right. I think it's an important difference to make. Are we picking these at the final uh, regular season point or are we waiting to bowl season to rank these teams? Because I think Alabama moves up. I think Utah and Penn State move down and Baylor probably moves down and maybe those teams don't get in. And maybe there's a little bit of question marks about sure. where some of these teams are seated. But the teams that I gave you, the 16 teams, in addition to the five, uh, you know, the 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 the, the automatic quali uh, the automatic qualifiers, in addition to the at-large teams, it makes sense to me. We we do need to change up the seedings a little bit because we do have an Oregon Utah 6-11 uh, first round matchup. But I think this is a fair assessment, and I think putting Bama in over maybe Utah or Penn State is a fair argument to make. But, man, oh, man, with this 16-team playoff, let's say we take Utah out and we put Alabama in as the 11 seed, as the last at-large. That first round, Oregon-Bama? Yeah. That yeah. sounds good to me. Baylor-Penn State? That sounds yeah. fun to me. I mean, Wisconsin-Florida? That sure. feels like a bowl game anyways in, like, the Outback Bowl. That's what I'm saying, Jared. So here, and I, I got the calendar in front of me also, okay? You, we just talked about, like, the Iron Bowl and conference championships. Conference championships are usually, like, the first weekend in, like, December, okay? And you got, like, Army-Navy, the Heisman around there. There are then, Jared, still three weekends in December, okay? And this is usually when the NFL starts playing games on Saturday, you would remember, right? But there's enough time. Okay, to have one weekend go from 16 to 8, another weekend go from 8 to 4, and even then, you know, uh, uh, right after Christmas, the semifinals where we have our championships established, Division 2, Division 3, the FCS, whatever you want to call it, they do it as well. And then, yes, my proposition, Jared, would be those first eight first-round games are rotations of the names of third-tier bowls, right? So whether that's the Outback Bowl, the Belk Bowl, the TaxSlayer.com Bowl, whatever it is, in the same way that right now the semifinals and championship rotate among the true big ones, the Orange, the Fiesta, the Rose, they would still do that. The round of eight would kind of rotate the other bowls you've heard of ever before, 
uh, New Year's Day, like the Cotton Bowl or the Gator Bowl, those would be the round of eight games, okay? And you're telling me, we'll go through it. But the way we have it, Jared, is, you know, some of the low-level conferences that crown their champions, Miami of Ohio, Florida Atlantic, Appalachian State, Boise State, they would be somewhat sacrificial lambs to LSU, Clemson, Ohio State, Oklahoma. I'll give you that but no more different than the 15 versus two in March Madness. Then I think it gets interesting, Jared. Like, we're talking about Memphis as the American Conference champion. They were a good team. They were ranked inside the top mm. 20 against Georgia. Now, uh, Georgia would be rightfully favored, but, you know, the five team in the country against the 19 team in the country on a random Saturday, we see upsets like that all the time. Six versus 11 would be Oregon versus Alabama. Uh, 710 would be Baylor and Penn State, as you described, and then Wisconsin, Florida. You're telling me that some of these bowls wouldn't love to have the opportunity to have this be their bowl, but it also have meaning instead of just getting the kids swag bags, they could be advancing to a second round, Jared. I'll say this. If we get into a situation where we can get the the higher seeded teams, the Bamas, and let me just look at who they would face. I mean, excuse me, the the high, like let's say that one sixteen game LSU, yeah. Miami, Ohio, Clemson versus Florida Atlantic, Ohio right. State versus Appalachian State. If yeah. we can get those games out of the way early, okay. and then we can wait and then play the big There's time, still- the at large teams that are in the big conferences that get the big bids. If those games slot up normally in the bowl schedule, and then we can basically yeah. have a Final Four over that. the last week or two. You can do it. If you can tweak the schedule to make it logistically possible, I, I can't argue the fact that it'd be great to have some of these matchups. And it would be great to see if maybe a Memphis can upset a Georgia. Get hot. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, obviously in the one-and-done scenarios, we see it in the college basketball tournament, as you said. It makes things a lot more exciting. The logistics, to me, is obviously going to be the hang-up. And the logistics to me are going to be where these leagues and, and, and where the NCAA really decides, all right, can we really do this? But if they can figure out a way to pull it off, listen, I'm in favor of more games. I'm not one of those people that thinks more bowl games are bad. I like the bowl games. I know Scotty Wetzel thinks the more bowl games they have, it's silly, and they and they, the right. four-letter network this and all the sayings that he has. Water it down, right? This would be an I, I agree. I agree. I, I'm in favor of more bowl games, and these matchups would be fun. Yeah, and I, I hear you, and there is a way to happen to do that. You get the first round out of the way, you know, that second week of December. Then you have a bye week, okay? And then what we're talking about is, like, Christmas weekend. In essence, you go down from eight to four, and those four games would be huge, Jared, okay? We're talking about something like, you know, Georgia versus Ohio State, potentially, right? Clemson versus, you know, let's say uh, Alabama pulled an upset as the 11 seed, that sort of thing. And you would talk about it in terms of Cinderella. It happens in March Madness, Jared. I've always said the first weekend of March Madness is for Cinderella, right? When we see those 11 seeds, those 13 seeds, and then they have all week where they've qualified for the Sweet 16, they get to go back to campus, they get to kind of be big men on campus, yeah. get all the press clippings. And then what happens the second week of the March Madness, Jared? The cream rises to the top. And in the regional finals, you got the one versus the three and that sort of thing. And so you would still have that. So if we look at the eight, you know, that it would be there, then you're talking about Clemson versus Baylor, Oregon versus Ohio State, Oklahoma versus Georgia and LSU against this year, what would have been an at-large team out of the Big Ten, Wisconsin. You know, and then you'd also have narratives, right? You'd have teams getting hot. 
You'd have a Cinderella in there. You'd have a conference matchup, too. You know, you could have two teams that are in conference matching up. Right. You could have a Georgia wind up playing LSU in the semis. So this was my idea. And I'm going to get you to warm to it eventually, Jared. But can you help me on my, like, advocacy team? Uh, listen, I'm in favor of it. I just don't think it's – I just don't think it's going to happen. I, I'd, love to, I'd love to see it. I'd love to see it. I just I, – I feel like it's just a tough sell to the NCAA. I think if they do expand, it's going to be six or eight. Yeah, and, you know, you're probably right. <laughs> all or nothing kind of way. And I believe just like in college basketball, every team should have at least a shot – to run the table, prove themselves up against the big boys. The content train rolls on. Another episode of In Game Live in the books. For Jared Smith, it's Dane Martinez. We'll have you back here next weekend where we continue to follow the lines. We continue to give you a little bit of an edge. That's what Sports Grid is for. Get the edge. Get on the grid. Come back with us next weekend. We'll be here. Hope you are, too. Have a good weekend. DailyRoto.com. Learn from the game's best DFS players. We don't just give you premier advice. We play every day. All major sports, all year round, we never stop. Industry-leading DFS tools and custom projections. And now, the DailyRoto.com Optimizer. In minutes, build an optimized lineup for cash games and tourneys. Learn from the game's best DFS players. Join DailyRoto.com. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Hannah Storm, and my podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, digs deep into the history of professional basketball, along with my own as one of the first female sportscasters. Now let's get you up to speed on what else happened around the NBA today. We talked to all sorts of people I interacted with, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley and recap iconic moments. Yes, he's got it. Here he comes. Ray rocked the baby to sleep and slammed up. As well as some of the wild stories behind the scenes. We were like, what? What are we in for? The scoreboard crashes before we even tip a game off. Today, the NBA is a global sports and entertainment giant. Players are multimillionaires and cultural icons. Iguodala to Curry, back to Iguodala, up for the layup. Oh, blocked by James. LeBron James. And these stories are about how we got here, both on and off the court. And what's next? Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storr on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is getting you ready for the 2024 NFL Draft. I'm your host, Andrew Levy, and I'll be delivering two shows a week to make sure you're caught up on the very latest NFL news, including every free agency move and how it changes the draft needs of your favorite team. Draft experts and talent scouts, mock drafts, and a few shock drafts, too. NFL Total Access, the podcast, is already on the clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick 
and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith, host of the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and I answer your phone calls and respond to your tweets. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions and straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. All that and more. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.